Hey, everybody. Thanks so much. First of all, as you're finding your seats and coming back from wherever you are, will you first of all, right now, just help me once again say thank you to our worship team and all of our volunteers. They do a fantastic job of serving us. Among the people I'm grateful for today as we begin this series on uh, of the champions here at Heritage is Pastor Jeremy Young, who will be the first of our staff persons to speak in this series. Pastor Young, many of you know him, especially if you are, you've come and you're newer or you've had the privilege of having him help you find out about the church or he's followed up on you. Uh, he's one of the earlier pastors that many folks get to meet and get acquainted with. And I'm so glad that I always get really good feedback, really good, really good gossip about Pastor Young. And so I'm proud of him and thankful for him. Jeremy also has a real passion for the Word. He has a reverence and a high view of Scripture, and uh, his heart is fully devoted in following after the Lord. So I'd like you to help me welcome uh, this morning Pastor Young come. I've asked my team to, to, to each speak from their hearts about who the Holy Spirit is to them and what He means to them. So this is Pastor Jeremy Young's turn. Would you help me welcome him this morning? Thanks so much. I thought last, like the 8.30 service, I thought, you know, if I was, if I had more rhythm, I would have danced my way up here. Because that's some good intro music, right? Yeah. But I am just not that hip. Sorry to disappoint. But hey, good morning. Good morning, man. Uh, like, like our pastor said, my name is Jeremy. I'm an associate pastor here, and it's an honor and a privilege to serve here. Uh, to hear, hear a man like Brian Davenport uh, introduce me as a man who, who has a high view of the word, which I do, but coming from him, right, that guy, that guy's view of the word is, is incredible, right? I mean, he's in the word more than anybody I've ever met, and I'm thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful that I get to work with and for a man who, who views scripture for what it is. It's our authority. It's, 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 it's God's word to us. It's his revelation to us. And, and it's something we live by. And I'm thankful that I know Brian Davenport. And I'm thankful that I get to, I get to know him, right? Yeah, he's amazing. But I'm also honored to serve on this team. I mean, our, our team is amazing, right? Like, like I mean, we, we love each other. I mean, if you listen to us, well, you may question that. But... <laughs> But we do. We genuinely love each other. We genuinely do. We, uh, we have a high view of each other. Uh, very honoring team. And uh, uh, we, we exist because and for you. We love you. We love you. I love each and every one of you deeply. I pray for everyone here. And uh, I want you to know that. Uh, also, I want you to know that you're amazing. You're amazing. I have, uh, I have some pastor friends. I have friends who who work at other churches, and uh, they, 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 they catch a bunch of grief from their, from their congregants, people in their, in their congregation. And, and to be honest with you, sometimes they don't say the nicest thing is about their congregants. And I'm like, you know, I'm glad I don't have that problem. Right? Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't badmouth you guys, but I'm glad that the badmouthing isn't coming this way. <laughs> and if it is, it'll be, you know, at least I'm not hearing it. <laughs> but no, no, I, this church is amazing. You are all amazing, and I'm thankful for you. Uh, our pastor wanted you to hear from us. We did it last year. We all spoke last year sometime. I think it was a little bit earlier. It wasn't the summer. 
uh, but it went over well, so ta-da, here we are again. And, uh, you know, everybody, really, really high, high marks, I think, high review. You know, people liked it, so Dab wanted, wanted to do it again. But it, it's important, <laughs> and I think what, what, Dab, what Dab wants to do is important for, for you guys to hear our hearts. Right? And what he's asked us to do today, he's asked us to come and to speak on who the Holy Spirit is to us. What he's done in our lives. And the truth is, in my life, there's so much to who he is and what he has done. And so, so much he continues to do. The Holy Spirit is my bringer of peace. He is my source of joy. He brings conviction he guides me. He's everything to me. The Holy Spirit is my assurance of the, that the God of the Bible is with me. The same Holy Ghost I read about in the pages of Scripture is the same Holy Ghost I experience personally. The same Holy Ghost that we experience together here corporately. I rely on Him, I need Him, and I am thankful for Him. Amen. But when I look at my life, at who He is, at who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit has done, there's one thing that stands out the most. The Holy Spirit changed my expectation of what it means to follow Jesus. Today I'll be in the book of John chapter 14, so if you want to open your Bibles or click to them or scroll to them, wherever you're at, John chapter 14. But following Jesus, uh, earlier in the, or in the Gospels we read of Jesus calling his disciples. And some of the examples are found in the book of Luke, Luke 5.11. Simon, James, and John, when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Luke 5.27 and 28. He went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he, Jesus, said to them, said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he arose and followed him. If you want to know exactly what that was like, watch The Chosen. They portray it exactly. amazing. I, I don't know. I mean, Jesus, they cast Jesus somehow. They got him to come down and be a, but, but if you want to know who Jesus is, watch The Chosen. <laughs> He's amazing. That's, that's an amazing show. But I can understand leaving everything and following Jesus. If you know my story, when I made the decision to follow Jesus, when I said yes to Christ, when I was saved, I didn't have much to leave behind, but I did have a life to leave behind. At my lowest point, I didn't look to Jesus to rebuild what I had. I looked to, re to Jesus to rebuild something or to build something new. So I left my entire way of life behind. I rejected that, and I turned my life over to Jesus. When the disciples left everything to follow him, they didn't know everything they'd be a part of. They had no idea the miracles that they would see. They just knew they saw someone. He said, follow them, and they went. They were all in. Now, I'm a Marine. I know what it's like to go and be a part of something that changes your life. After boot camp, I was completely different than I was before I went to boot camp. I walked different. I stood different. I talked different. I acted different. A lot more sirs and ma'ams came out of my mouth. I try, I try to continue that. And the longer I was in the Marines, the more different I was. Similarly, not the same, but similarly, the
the more that I follow Jesus, the more different I am than when I, before I first started. When I said yes to Jesus, I knew my life would be different. The Christians I knew were different. They acted different. Remember, I, when I was first saved, I just wanted to be at church. So every time the church was open, I was trying to find excuses to be there. I didn't have a job. It was nice in the church. They had coffee. But uh, the church that I was attending, they had, a, they had a library, and it looked like a mess on the wall. So I was like, hey, I'm going to pull that stuff off and, and, and reorganize it and put it back up there. Don't ever volunteer to do that. <laughs> well, I mean, volunteer to do it, but not by yourself. It's a lot of work, and it doesn't look any better when you're done, <laughs> especially if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> but I remember I was out there, and, uh, and there, was a, there was a young lady named Kara Nichols who attended the church, and she came out. And, uh, and I told her this last night. I think she just wanted to come and take a look at what was going on. I'm married to her now. It's all right. But, uh, but no, she came out. She, I think she, she, was, she was interested in, in what was happening. She was watching me, me change and watching me follow, starting to follow Jesus. And I remember talking to her that day. And I, and I looked at her and I said, you know, whatever level you're on, that's where I want to be. And she looked, and she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> she's like, I'm just following Jesus. Right? There was another guy in the congregation. He was a retired superintendent. And uh, he, he saw, me, saw me give my life to Christ, and he, wanted, I mean, he, he, wanted to, he, he took me under his wing and wanted to teach me some stuff. So I was very fortunate that a man, man of that stature was, was willing to do that. And uh, he would take me to this cupcake place in Newburgh, and I don't remember the name of it, but it was delicious. And he would always tell me, don't tell my wife I took you here. So I give him a hard time. I was like, you just bring me here for cupcakes. Ah, but they had coffee too, and it was good. But um, I remember telling him the same thing. I'm like, you know, his name was Keith. I was like, Keith, whatever level you're on, I want to be there. And he's like, I'm just following Jesus. What I didn't fully understand, I didn't fully understand what it meant to follow Jesus. I didn't understand that I was supposed to be acting like him, representing him. I was supposed to be his ambassador in this world. But the Holy Spirit changed my expectation of what it means to follow Jesus. When Jesus says to follow him, he's not asking us to cheer him on from the sidelines. We're not spectators. We are participants. Nowhere does Jesus say, watch me. He says, follow me. Jesus invites us to be a part of his work to reach the world. John 14, verses 12 through 17. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 12, whoever believes in me will also do the same works I do, and greater works than these will he do. See, I was trying to do, do the things and be like the people I saw, the Christians in my life. I was trying to imitate them, which isn't necessarily wrong, because Paul tells us, imitate me as I imitate Christ. 
But this, this is Jesus telling his disciples and us reading it to be like him. To do the things that he does. People were drawn to Jesus because of the miraculous works they saw. The miraculous works they heard about. People heard about the healings. They heard there was hope in the name of Jesus. And there is. They were drawn to him. And as we participate in those same works, in the works of Jesus, people are and will be drawn to that. When people hear about miracles, they come. Because they want the miraculous in their life. But then Jesus says, and greater works. Now, he's not asking us to compare our works to his. Right? I, I cannot walk on water. Right? But I'm not supposed to look at Jesus and be like, you know what, Jesus, you walked on water, I'm going to drink the lake water, the whole thing. <laughs> to just compare it. No, there's, that's, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying, he's telling us there's, there's no limit what we're able to do. There's no limit on what the church is capable of doing when we, to show the world and as we show the world who Jesus is. He's not telling us, tell, like, hey, what I did is a limit. He's like, no, there's no limit. He doesn't put limits on the lengths. He will go to reach people. And if he doesn't put limits on it, neither should we. I had no idea in 2010 when I put my faith in Jesus, I would participate in his ministry. That I would be his hands and feet. That I would not only see the miraculous, but I would participate in it. I thought I would pray, read the Bible, go to church, and try my best to be a good boy. That's what I thought I was going to do. Go to church, be like, yeah, I go to church, I'm good. But Jesus, Jesus tells us to do what he did. To expect the same results and greater. To expect that what we see in the Bible, that we can and will see those same results in our lives. The apostles in Acts understood this and they believed it. We've been going through the book of Acts for a bit, and it's been amazing. We've got a little bit, little ways to go. But Dab always says, we want to learn what it meant so we can live what it means. And some of the miraculous events we've seen so far, Acts chapter 3, seeing a miraculous healing of a lame man. Acts chapter 5, the imprisoned apostles were freed by an angel. Acts chapter 6, a servant serving food, a servant named Stephen, was performing such miraculous signs and wonders that the the religious leaders shut him up. But the leaders couldn't contain the miracles. Acts 8, Philip plays Star Trek and is transported from one, one, one location to the next. Acts chapter 9, Saul was miraculously converted, blinded, and then healed by someone who was not an apostle. That's important. Because the miracles were not contained to the apostles. The the miracles had already spread well beyond the apostles. Some guy we didn't even know who he was, he laid his hands on Paul and said, receive the Holy Spirit, and a miracle happened. Aeneas was healed of paralysis, and Dorcas is brought back to life, all in Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 14, a cripple in Lystra Lystra is healed. I'm not going any further. That's not my job. Dad will do that. But if you want a sneak peek, read Acts chapter 15 and on. (laughs) 
But expecting stuff like that is much more than going to church and trying to be a good boy. Verses 13 and 14, whatever you ask me in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Asking in the name of Jesus. There's power in his name. Using the name of Jesus, asking, you know, in the name of Jesus be healed. We are using the authority. We are acting Jesus to act in his authority on our behalf. It's not me. I'm not going to say in the name of Jeremy because nothing will happen. Nothing will happen. I mean, I'll give you a cup of coffee and tell you how awesome it is and how much is better than the coffee you drink. But I'm not the source. We're not the source. We're the vessels carrying the source. It's nothing I do. It's everything he does. We ask in the name of Jesus, knowing according to Romans 8.34, that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, Jesus understands our weaknesses and tells us with confidence to draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He understands what we need. He understands what people need, and he is good, and he answers our prayers. We can boldly ask him, and we can expect him to act. Verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. True love for Jesus is and will continue to be seen by how we act. John 13, 35, Jesus tells us, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Our love for Jesus and our love for one another defines us. I cannot love Jesus and not love you. If I love Jesus, I love you. If I love Jesus, I love his people. The community of believers well, here at Heritage Church and whatever church claims the name of Jesus, the community of believers should be different. We should act different. We should, it should feel different. We are called to be different. We should act like we don't belong here because we don't. We act like we belong where we are going. We are not citizens of here. We are citizens of heaven, and we act like heaven is here now. Our love for Jesus compels us to do what he asks us to do. Our love for him compels us to act on his behalf for others. We keep his commandments. We do what Jesus says because we love him. I don't do what Jesus says because I'm trying to get him to love me. I do it because he loves me. I do it because he's changed my heart. My changed heart is the response to that is good works. You will see the love of Jesus because he's changed in here. I'm not perfect. None of us are. But the perfect one resides here. And the perfect one is why I do the things that I do. Verses 16 and 17, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, 
whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus tells us that the Father will send another helper. Another helper. Dav taught us about this. Another helper, the Greek, alas parakletos. One of the same. The exact same. Jesus is like, hey, I'm going, but one, the exact same is going to come and be in you. Which is why he says it is better that he leaves. It's better that he leaves because the one that's the exact same will come and be in you. And if the one that is the exact same as Jesus is living inside of me, I can expect that the same things that Jesus did can and will happen in front of me. Can and will happen as I ask. Jesus was telling his disciples he was going to leave. But someone exactly like him was coming. They'd seen the Holy Spirit at work through Jesus. <coughs> and soon the Holy Spirit would be working through them in the same way they saw him work through Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, the disciples were never the same after the Holy Spirit came. They went from hiding to proclaiming. From try, trying to hide to being bold. <clears throat> because they knew that the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that they had seen working through Jesus was now working through them. They were never the same. And to be honest, the world hasn't ever been the same. They started acting like Jesus and they knew confidently that they were actively participating in his ministry. They knew they couldn't do it on their own, nor were they trying to do it by acting better. They weren't trying to earn the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift. He is a gift. He is something that is given. He's not a reward for our good behavior. He is the source of that good behavior. The Holy Spirit changes our heart. He is who is at work through us. We are the vessels. He is the source. The disciples of Jesus saw him perform great signs and wonders. They were told they would do the same and greater. The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and they operated in power, bringing glory to the Father in the name of Jesus. I read about the signs and wonders. I read that I will do the same and greater. And in the spring of 2012, I was filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. And when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, there was a confidence that grew and a confidence like, okay, what Jesus did, I'm doing. The Holy Spirit changed my expectation of what it means to follow Jesus. Not too long after that, I went to kids camp. And I needed the Holy Ghost to kids camp. I'm joking. I, I, love, I loved going every time I went to kids camp. I loved it. I loved it. My wife was in kids ministry for a while, and I loved helping her. I loved being a part. I loved it. There's nothing like experiencing the presence of God with a bunch of kids. They're, so, they're like sponges. They're so open. It's so pure. It's so amazing. It'll change your life. But there was this one kid, and they used to always give me, there was, there was a, the cabins, and they had five bunk beds, so there's ten beds. And the first couple of years, they were just like, well, Jeremy can handle all the tough kids. <laughs> so it was me and nine kids who were trying to wreck me. My wife was there. She's in this cabin. They come out. The girls are all done up in the morning, you know, like hair done up. My kids look like they've just been in a car wreck. 
trying to chase them down all night. They're running out the cabin, half-dressed, running up the hill. My wife looks at me. She's like, you need coffee, don't you? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I need some sleep. But there, one, there, there, one year, I don't know if it was the first year or second year, but there was this kid. He was a pretty good kid. I don't know how he ended up in my cabin. Yeah. No, all my kids were great. But he, uh, he had allergies. And that year, uh, something had happened. All the, all the cabins, you know, they're not the cleanest. It's not the cleanest place. You know, it's kids' camp. They don't, there's not a lot of hygiene going on. But uh, the cabin smelled like mildew bad. Like you'd walk in, you'd be like, whew, you could like, feel it and taste it. It was nasty. And, uh, and this kid was having problems. Like his, his lungs were, were closing up. And, you know, so he had to go outside the cabin. He couldn't sleep outside. You know, so we were trying to figure out a place for him to sleep, and he didn't want to sleep down. They had a bed down in the nurse's station. He didn't want to sleep there. Uh, he wanted to be with the kids, you know. And uh, so I was like, well, I'm going to pray for you. I expect God's going to touch you right here. Put my hand on this kid's chest right in the middle of that cabin. I started praying, and I felt it, and he did. And I asked him what he was feeling. He's like, it feels like there's waves of energy shooting out your hands into my chest. And he could breathe. Right? And I looked at him. I said, you know I cannot do that, right? And he's like, I know you can't. Good. Well, you know the Lord is here right now, and he's touching you. He's healing your chest right now. I expected the Holy Spirit to move, and I expected that he would work through me because he was in me. When I first, when I first came on staff here full-time at Heritage Church, uh, there was a need in, in the youth ministry, so I was the youth pastor for a while, and... Um, I, w- I wanted to take the youth down. I said, hey, I'm going to go down to Esther Shore Park. I was new to the area. I want to go down to Esther Shore Park. I know there's people down there, and I want to pray with people. And if you want to pray, come with me. So some of the youth came down, and uh, some, of the, some of the adults, I invited some of the adults from the church, and they came down. They're like, hey, we want to learn how to pray. I was like, yeah, me too. But, uh, <laughs> but we were walking around. It's really, it's really, you know, there's a lot of people. The hardest part is starting the conversation. Start the conversation, then it's really easy to be like, hey, can I pray with you? I just want to bless you. I met a guy down there who told me that, you know, that God, he had met God, and he was a guy running a computer in Kelso. Right? He's like, well, he told me, he's like, we're not going to get along. He's like, well, I'm going to pray for you anyway. But there's this guy on, on the corner of 8th and Esther, and there's a, there's a brick entrance to the park right there. It's like a gate that goes in. And right next to that gate, there's uh, these rocks that are out by the tree on, on the street on 8th. And they look like benches. This guy was sitting there, and I walk up to him, and there's two adults from this church with me. And I just walked up to him. I was like, hey, man, I'm just walking around. I want to bless people. I want to pray for you. Is there anything I can pray for? And uh, he's like, yeah. He's like, my shoulder, my left shoulder uh, is, is kind of messed up. And I, and I looked, and it was kind of you know, sitting forward and down. You could, you could see, you could physically see that there was something going on. I was like, all right, man, I'll pray for you. I don't remember the guy's name. But I asked, so, you know, Lord, you know, just pray in the name of Jesus. Touch this man's shoulder. And then I asked him, I said, hey, how does, how does it feel? He's like, well, it feels a little bit better, but, you know, still, I'm all right, all right. Jesus didn't pay for that. I'm going to pray for you again. Is that all right? Yeah, it's all right. Kid you not, as soon as I touched his shoulder, his shoulder jumped back, snapped, you could hear it, and landed in place. And he looks at me like I was nuts, and I looked at him like he was nuts. <laughs> and I said, you know, I didn't do that. He's like, I know you didn't. And I was like, to be honest with you, I'm just as freaked out right now as you are, because that was weird. But then I was able to pray with him, and I thanked the Lord for healing him, and I was able to witness to him and tell him, like, the Lord just met you at Esther Short Park and healed your shoulder. And he moved, and he's like, man, my shoulder hasn't felt this good in 30 years. I'm excited to go to work tomorrow. I was like, bro, check it out. Test it out. 
Never, never seen him again. But I know what I saw. I know what I experienced. Right, there was a guy in my, in my small group a few years ago. He was a mechanic, and he broke his thumb. And he came to a small group, and we're like, hey, can, you know, we're going to pray. And he's like, yeah, can you pray for my thumb? So I grabbed his thumb. He told me the next day when I did that, he almost punched me. <laughs> I wasn't thinking. <laughs> but I prayed for his thumb, and he told me the next day it was healed. Color, like it was purple. He's like, color was gone. It was healed. And, it, and it, he's like, so he's like, well, I went from wanting to punch you to praising the Lord. <laughs> but I'm not telling you this to lift me up. It's not anything that I do. None of it's about me. Everything is about bringing glory to the name of Jesus. I've experienced his goodness, and I desperately want others to experience the same. There is hope, there is healing, and there is breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Following him is a greater honor and more life-changing than anything I've ever, expect, I've ever experienced. Anything that I ever expected is more life-changing than anything I went through in the Marine Corps. So many miracles. Day one, I was saved from my sin. My sin was cut off and cast away. Day one. From then on, I've been able to continually experience the presence of God wherever I'm at. Whoever I'm with, I can experience the presence of God. I can call on his name. I married an amazing woman. That is a miracle. If you know my wife, that is a miracle. I'll tell you, I heard it one time. If you're a Christian man, 100% of the time, this is verified facts. 100% of the time, you marry up. Tell me I'm wrong. I have an amazing daughter. She's a miracle. I have a college education. I have a home. I remember in, in, in the spring or early summer of 2016, we lived up here for a year, and we were, we were renewing our lease in our apartment. And my wife was more devastated than I was. I didn't like living there. It was mostly because, you know, the, this wasn't the best apartment complex. People living above us weren't the quietest. And uh, so... She got this. She's like, I'm going to write a list. We've got to start praying. She wrote a list. In the next 10 years, we want to buy a house. Eight months later, I bought a house because I asked the Lord to move on my behalf, on our behalf, on the behalf of my family. Two years later, we sold the house and bought another house. So what looked impossible there, in the next 10 years, maybe we'll be able to buy a house. And within three, we had bought one, sold one, bought another one. That's a miracle. I've, I've been healed, I've experienced healing, and I've seen others healed. All of it, all of it is because of Jesus, and all of it is for him. Amen. The Holy Spirit changed my expectation of what it means to follow Jesus. He changed what my walk with Jesus looks like. The same Holy Spirit who works through Jesus works through me. The same Holy Spirit who works through Jesus works through you. Amen. The same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead works through you, works through me. And being filled, it's not a one and done thing. I was baptized. I was initially filled in the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit in 2012. But I don't sit and reflect on that. I mean, I do. But I don't just be like, yeah, I was filled in 2012. I'm good. That was my initial filling. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5.18 to be filled with the Spirit. The wording is not a one-time event. 
It's not a one-time feeling. The wording here refers to a way of life, a pattern of how you live your life. Be being filled. Continually be filled. Always be being filled. I don't say to you, like, you know, a week ago I drank a glass of water, so I don't need one today. <laughs> By then, you wouldn't, you'd, be, you'd be remembering me. I need to fill myself up with water every single day. Without it, I'll die. I need to fill myself up with the Holy Ghost every single day. I need to be filled with the Holy Ghost every single day for my spirit to be healthy, for me to be healthy, for me to express who He is. I need that. We need that. You need that. The Holy Spirit changed my expectation of what it means to follow Jesus. And He'll change yours. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we participate in the ministry Jesus invited us to into. There's no professionals here. There's nobody, oh, you're a professional Jesus follower. We're all amateurs following the professional. There's no limits to what he can do through us. None. Nothing is too big for him. There's no obstacle too high. There's no barrier too big. There's nobody in your life that's too far away from Jesus. There's nothing you've done that, has ca- that will cause him to say no to you. He will always, if you've been running from Jesus, turn around. He's right behind you. Our expectations for what it means to follow Jesus will always fall short of what he has for us. Always. But we can absolutely and confidently expect the same results of Jesus because of the Holy Spirit. Can we stand? We're going to worship. Let me ask you today, are you following Jesus? If you're not, you should be. Are you attending church, reading the Bible, and just trying to be a good boy, be a good girl? Have you asked the Holy Spirit to come and be inside of you? Have you asked the Holy Spirit, have you asked the Lord to fill you with His Spirit? Have you experienced Him personally? Have you been filled? Or do you need a fresh filling? We all do. I'm going to ask my prayer workers to come back up. And if you want prayer, if you want more of God, if you want more of His, more of His presence, if you want to be filled in the Spirit with the Spirit, if you want to experience a fresh infilling, they're here and they're going to pray, pray with you and pray for you. But I'm going to pray for you and then, then, then we can go. You can go have a great week. But Lord... 
I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit defines our walk with Christ. I thank you, Lord, that your goodness is more powerful, is better, is greater than anything that we experience here. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here among us. Thank you for filling us. Thank you, Lord, for, for, for sending your Holy Spirit to fill us, to enable us to do your works, to reach your people. Lord, I pray a blessing over the people of Heritage this morning, that they would walk out of here experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit like never before, that they would do your works, that they would do greater works, and, Lord, that people would see you act through them. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want prayer, we're here to pray with you. If you got to go, you got to go. Make sure you get your kids. I'm sure they'd appreciate it back there. We love you guys. Thank you. Have a great week.